morning, everybody. Um, this morning's reading is taken from John chapter 21, verses 1 to 19. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred meters. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger and you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, John, very much for reading. 
and uh, Gethin for that again that song whisper let's just pray that again Lord we thank you that you are a God who speaks and whether you speak with the lion's roar or whether you whisper we pray come and speak to us now as we meditate on this story from the scriptures send your spirit as I speak and as we listen that we would hear you speak to us each one of us and we ask it in your name amen I wonder if you have ever failed at anything. Uh, I'm not talking about a minor slip, like a, a driving test that you take again, but one of those real disasters where you wish the ground would completely sort of open up and swallow you, or you could rewind time and have another go. Uh, maybe you really feel you've let someone down badly or let God down badly, and you, it still niggles at you. Well, Peter had let... Jesus down badly. Peter had really failed. He had denied Jesus three times. We know the story. Uh, how on the night before Jesus died, he gathered his disciples together for the Last Supper. He said, one of you will betray me. That turned out to be Judas. Peter says, well, I'm never going to let you down. And they all say the same thing. And Jesus said, before the cock crows three times, you will deny three times that you know me. And Peter said he wouldn't, but then it happened. Uh, Jesus had been arrested. Peter had followed. The others had run away, but Peter had followed. That was in his favor, presumably trying to help Jesus, but he wound up denying him three times. And Luke tells us that Jesus had turned and looked at Peter, and Peter had run out and wept bitterly. And now this isn't one of the crowds, this isn't even one of the 70 Jesus sent out, or even one of the 12. This is one of Jesus' inner three, Peter, James and John. And he had really blown it. And yet we all love Peter. If there was a poll of your favourite disciple, I think Peter would probably come out top. He opens his mouth, he puts his foot in it, he's very human, we can identify with him in his weakness. And partly we love him because he gets stuff wrong. And yet Jesus still loves him. And today's story tells us that failure is not final that if we've blown it in any way there is not only forgiveness but there's recommissioning and trust and Jesus not only wants us to be in relationship with him but to serve him and to trust us with what's most precious to him uh, Jesus doesn't give up on you just because you think you've failed or because you have now you might be saying uh, but you don't know just how bad a Christian I am you might hear that voice in your ear that whispers, call yourself a Christian and you do that or you do that. God knows all about everything we've done or haven't done and loves us. And Jesus died that we would be forgiven and restored. And we're going to focus this morning on this conversation between Jesus and Peter. It comes after this fabulous story. I love the story uh, of this catch of fish. They haven't caught anything there's this man they see hazily on the beach. Have you friends, have you caught anything? No, they say, well, try the other side of the boat. And there's this great catch of fish. And John says, it's the Lord. And Peter jumps in and there's the Lord. He's already got some fish there. Where did they come from? Uh, on this charcoal fire. And Peter grabs the net and brings it in. I always imagine the disciples saying, how many do you think they are in there? And I picture them guessing numbers. And I picture Jesus saying 153. And then uh, Peter goes and counts them. And there are 153. Now we don't know. That might, that's just me guessing what it was like. But there's this sense of wonder. And Jesus is risen. And they can't quite... 
believe it, but he's there and they're eating fish. And then there's this conversation. And there are three things in this conversation I want to highlight. Three themes, if you like. Uh, I think they all apply to all of us, but it may be one of them particularly applies to you more this morning. The first one is the whole area of forgiveness. Just as Peter had denied Jesus three times, Jesus probes away by asking this question three times. Uh, let's just hear those verses again, verses 15 to 17. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter must have been reminded vividly of that night when he denied Jesus three times. There's a burning fire of coals on that night He'd gone to the fire to warm himself and it had been a servant girl who'd first said, you're one of Jesus' followers. And he said, no, I'm not. The very smell of the fire would probably remind him of that night. And then the three questions. I think in order for Peter to appreciate the full forgiveness, he first had to face up to the full pain of his failure. And sometimes I think we don't fully get forgiveness because we've not really allowed the Lord to deal deep down with whatever it is. We can just sort of deal with it at a superficial level and it's not dealt with. It doesn't work just to brush it under the carpet. Uh, some of these things, when they niggle away, you have to go deep. The, the pain has to open up a bit again in order for us to be forgiven uh, and to know that forgiveness. There is forgiveness, but for us to experience it, to know it, deep down and it can be really helpful to have someone talk and pray with you a friend someone in your small group someone from the ministry team someone maybe at the well you might want to pray with me that just if you're struggling to know you are forgiven it's really helpful to talk this through and to go through it until you know and when I do that with people it is the most enormous privilege to declare God's forgiveness fully and to pray that people would uh, know it uh, so if that's you please do get in touch uh, I, I noticed that Jesus deliberately asked the questions in a way that hurt Peter that upset him uh, it's like the surgeon whose knife has to cut in order for there to be healing uh, I've, over the last few years I think it was a, about seven or eight years ago maybe a bit more uh, a book came out uh, in the Christian press by a guy called Pete Scazzero called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And his big point is that we can pray as much as we like, we can read the Bible as much as we like, but if we don't allow God into the depths of the emotions, we'll never become mature Christians. Uh, and Jesus goes for the depth here. Um, now, I encourage folks to read the well-being book, the well-being journey book, which is brilliant. I'm halfway through it. I said I'd be reading through it in the weeks after Easter, and it picks off our physical well-being and emotional well-being, spiritual well-being, relational well-being, so many different areas. But they all tie together. Our physical health knocks onto everything else. Our emotional health knocks onto everything else. 
And Jesus knows that we need to know that we are forgiven to be spiritually healthy. Uh, and he wants Peter to know it. And uh, we only know this conversation because Peter's told it. Jesus had presumably gone for a walk down the beach with him. Uh, it's just Peter and Jesus. And it's Peter, the top man in the early church, who wanted this to be known. Uh, there is forgiveness. It doesn't matter who you are or whatever you've done. Come to Jesus and there is forgiveness. That's, that's really a whole sermon in itself. But there's two more themes. Uh, the second theme is grace and love. Not just forgiveness from the past, but positive, pouring in love and trust and grace. Jesus doesn't just want you forgiven doesn't just want you adopted into his family. He wants to trust you with uh, areas of ministry and mission and doing things for him, to serve him. Uh, so let's read the verses again, and you can see that there's not just forgiveness, but there's commissioning. Uh, let's read these verses again, 15 to 17. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. It's coming. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. The third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. We've thought about that. Uh, he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Jesus isn't just forgiving him. He is trusting him with what is most precious. That is you and me. Jesus died on the cross for us. We are his flock. He is the good shepherd. And he trusts those he loves to care for his people. Whether you help with the children's work or youth work, whether you're in a small group or any different area of ministry, whether you get ordained, all of us, Jesus wants to know we're forgiven and to care for others, to help nurture and feed others. Uh, we have this whole ministry to one another. Now, uh, often vicars are called pastors. Pastor is a Latin word from shepherd, to shepherd the flock. And it just reminds me that the primary job of shepherding is feeding the sheep. Yes, taking care of them. But the sheep need to be fed if they're going to be healthy. And we feed from God's word. So whatever you do, it's why our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our small groups here on Sundays, we always make sure that there's a substantial engagement with God's word in the scriptures. That's what feeds us. That's what helps us grow strong. Yes, we need to look out and care for each other in every way. Uh, but if there's uh, cuddling sheep but not feeding them, they'll never grow strong. We need, we need both. And Jesus commissions Peter, feed the sheep. And if you are involved with our children or our youth or small groups or any other sort of pastoral ministry, we need to make sure we're feeding each other. When you talk and pray with each other, look at the scriptures together. That's where the, the food is that will make us strong. Now, it's quite interesting when you read through the church press looking at job adverts. Uh, I'm not looking for another job. I've got the best job in the Church of England, I think. So, uh, But my son Thomas is coming to the end of his curacy, so looking at what jobs are out there, what vicar jobs. remember last year praying with Adam as he was looking for the right thing for him. And you read the adverts that are out there, and there are, there's a whole wide variety. Some of them are quite fun, some of them are quite creative. Lots of them want experience and good sense of humour and skill in Microsoft Word or whatever it is, or degrees. I'm amazed how few of them start off with, do you love Jesus? 
And you think you ought to take that for granted for people who are clergy, but the danger is that you can lose your love for Jesus in the busyness. And what Jesus most wants is our love. He says to Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And right at the heart of Christianity is this relationship of love for Jesus. Uh, Healthy, sound doctrine is really important. Morality is important. Keeping going is important. Frankly, a good sense of humour is important. But none of them is as important as our love for Jesus. Uh, and the danger I know after years of being in ordained ministry is that we can do all the right things but lose the love relationship. It can be like a marriage where you do all the chores around the house but the, the, relate, the love relationship has gone. The, that's the key thing. I remember when I was a student and my faith came alive, David Watson came to lead a mission. Uh, David was well known 35 years ago, led a lot of missions in universities and church festivals and revivals, uh, fed people from God's word, welcomed the Holy Spirit in, huge influence on the Church of England. And he died of cancer relatively young. And while he was ill, he, had to, he couldn't do all his uh, speaking ministry, but he wrote and reflected uh, and he wrote this. In that time, God showed me that all my preaching, writing, and other ministry was absolutely nothing compared to my love relationship with him. In fact, my sheer busyness had squeezed out the close intimacy I had known. And I remember in my formative early years as a wholehearted follower of Jesus, this was very significant, that nothing must take the place of the love relationship with Jesus. And yet, 33 years after being ordained, I look back and there are times when the sheer busyness has squeezed that out and we have to come back. And it may be for you, sheer busyness. We live in a busy world that's faster and faster and faster. And if sheer busyness squeezes out your love relationship with the Lord, then you're missing out on the most important thing. And this may be the word for you today that without that love at the heart of it, everything we do is so pointless. You know that great chapter that's often read at weddings, 1 Corinthians 13. Without love, we're just noisy gongs and clanging cymbals. So if that's you, come back to your love relationship with the Lord. Uh, if a church just focuses on doctrine but not love, it gets proud. And if it focuses on moral behaviour but not love, people feel condemned. And if it's good on doctrine and good on morality, but not love, we become like the Pharisees. It's this love relationship with Jesus. That's where that song like the one Gethin's written is so beautiful. To play something like that as you have a time of quiet before the Lord. That's a brilliant song to play before you read the scriptures. Speak to me, Lord. Whisper to me. And it puts the relationship back at the heart. Uh, you may know that a few years ago I'd been through such a period of busyness and dryness that I knew I needed to do something about this and I signed up for a Ignatian spirituality course. Um, classically the Ignatian retreat is done over 30 days but there was a, there's a way that's become popular over the last few years of taking these 30 days and doing them over 30 weeks. So I thought well I can do that and I'd commit to praying an hour every morning and every week or every other week meet up with a spiritual director to talk about how it's going. But I've said it before, I think I was in the remedial class. My 30 weeks turned into 30 fortnights and a bit longer. But it was the, one of the healthiest things I've ever done. Juliet did it in parallel. Uh, and my prayer relationship with the Lord has been much better as a result. There are, it's gone deeper, there's new relationships. And while it is still very busy, 
at the moment, I'm determined that this is the most important thing. If you've never sorted out a daily time of quiet, uh, I wrote seven introductory weeks for people who've never done it. You can get them from our website. If you can't find it, please send an email. Um, or Lissy Clark's got lots of wonderful material on her website, Contemplative at Home, of just meditating gently on the scriptures. Really, really helpful. Uh, I think resources is not the problem. It's a question of, are we going to prioritize this or not? Uh, I grew up, I think, in an era when what we did for the Lord was celebrated more than our relationship with him, with the danger of us doing more than being. Whereas here, Jesus is very clear that before the doing is, do you love me? Uh, so the first area is of forgiveness, and it maybe that's the one you need to dwell with. The second one is about your love relationship with the Lord. The third one, and I'm just going to do this one very briefly, is the challenge to follow Jesus and not compare yourself with others. <clears throat> so let me read from verse 18, the last couple of verses that John read, and then I'll read on a bit more as well. Uh, Jesus said to Peter, Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to Peter, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. So this is where it says that Jesus and Peter were going for a walk along the beach. So we know their conversation was private. And we only know about it because Peter's told. And Peter looks over his shoulder at John. Well, what about him? And I love the way John describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's not that Jesus loved him any more than anybody else. It's just that he knew it. And that's a great prayer, Lord. Help me to know your love for me. We're not to compare ourselves with others. Jesus says to me, as he says to you, what he said to Peter. Don't worry about everybody else. You follow me. And you may be hearing God calling you to follow him in a particular direction. And you're kind of waiting for everybody else to catch up. Well, you must follow him. Again, that's another whole sermon. I'm not, not going to preach that one this morning. Uh, but I wonder which of those three areas is most pertinent to you this morning. Is it an area of forgiveness? And God says, I know what's happened and I still love you. The good news is that Jesus came for sinners and he died on the cross for our forgiveness. Uh, we so easily put on masks, not just the ones we have to wear for social distancing, put on a mask that everything's all fine, but underneath we know it's not. Uh, we can look like serene, calm, religious, good people. No wonder people think church isn't for them. Uh, I love the fact that Peter's so real about this. We need to know we are forgiven. Uh, the gospel is for people like Peter, people like me, people like you. And while we're shattered when we get it wrong, God isn't. He knows and he loves and he forgives. Is that the area? Or is it that Jesus is calling you into some form of ministry to feed his sheep? Might be with our children or our young people or with a small group or a new community or a new area of housing or uh, maybe some of you into ordained ministry. It may be in the area of where your, wor your work is uh, to be really effective and Jesus is showing you a particular thing he would have you do in the world of work. Uh, it starts off, do you love me? 
then he says, feed my sheep. Uh, now this morning in my own quiet time, I just pictured myself having that conversation with the Lord. I thought, I can't preach this till I've done it. So I pictured him saying, Jonathan, do you love me? I went through this three times. I want to encourage you later on, go for a walk and have that conversation with the Lord. Imagine him saying to you, do you love me? What's he calling you to do? Uh, and if he's calling you to step up in ministry, then do please come and have a chat with me. There may be one or two of you he's even calling to ordain ministry. Not that that's more important than anything else. God needs good politicians and teachers and doctors and business people and everything. He needs people everywhere. Or is it an issue where he's saying, don't worry about everybody else. Stop comparing yourself to other people. You follow me. Uh, whatever it is, let's just bring this to the Lord in prayer. I wonder, band, if you would come back ready to lead us in our last song. Let's just take a minute in the stillness and we pray, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Lord Jesus, whisper to us. Which of these three things is most relevant to us now? If it's the forgiveness area, just say, Lord, I'm so sorry. Thank you that you died on the cross for my forgiveness. Please help me to know that forgiveness. Please give me courage to work it through if I need to talk it through with anybody else and pray it through. That I would know deep down I am forgiven and washed clean. Or is it the area of your relationship with the Lord? You might want to say, Lord, I'm sorry I've let myself get so busy and it's squeezed out my love relationship with you. Show me how I can carve out time to be with you. How I can welcome you into all the things I do at home, at work. Would you come for a walk with me later and help me to see what you want me to do differently? And for all of us, Lord, give us grace not to compare ourselves to others, but to choose to follow you. Thank you that you've made each of us unique with different gifts. Forgive us for trying to be someone else and help us to be the person you've made us to be and to follow you. And we praise you that you are risen, that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, that you are worthy of our praise, not just our words today, but our whole lives. So as we sing together, pour your spirit out. And as we offer our lives back to you, help us not just to sing it, but to live it with our lives. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as the band lead us in song.